Django, Janoid, what's up? You are listening live here to the Brandon's World Podcast on this Thursday, October 21st, 2021. It is a big, big Thursday. We have, of course, Thursday night football night between the Denver Broncos and my beat up hometown Cleveland Browns. Today is also the WWE Crown Jewel pay-per-view. Saudi Arabia, Saudi Mania, whatever you want to call it, it has a WrestleMania-like card, a international mega event. Of course, in the AOC as in the NOC as the Braves have gone up 3-1 on the Dodgers. Braves Led by former Indian Eddie Rosario are looking to make it to the World Series as well as the Astros have now gone up 3-2 on the Boston Red Sox. It is a pack. It is a wild podcast here today on Brandon's World. As always, if you have not done already, make sure to go on Twitter. Make sure to search at Real underscore B World. Give us a follow. You can also, of course, follow me personally at Brandon Lewis underscore 7. And as I announced on Monday, I have begun a new journey with Believe Land Media. I am now the official host of the All Things Cavalier podcast. I will put that link in the description. Our first episode with my co-host Joey Snyder dropped yesterday where we previewed the upcoming Cavalier season. It was a great podcast and I can't wait to work with Joey all season long. Now... Without further ado, we're going to kick things off today by getting into it right away. These are my Week 7 NFL predictions and best bets for the record. Last week, I went 13-1 straight up in picks. The only game I lost was Buffalo at Tennessee on Monday Night Football. I also went 5-0 in my best bets. Last week, I bet Jacksonville plus three against the Dolphins. I bet the Rams minus nine and a half against the Giants. I bet Baltimore minus two and a half against the Chargers. I bet Kansas City minus six and a half against the football team. And I bet Arizona plus three against the Browns. So again, without further ado, let's get into it. These are my week seven NFL predictions and best bets. And we're going to start things off with tonight's game, of course, the Denver Broncos, led by defensive-minded, boring head coach Vic Fangio, taking on a Browns team that is beat up. No Baker Mayfield. And for the record, I, a little bit in my head, hope that we do not see Baker Mayfield for the rest of the 2021 NFL season. Now, by the way, also, that doesn't mean that the Browns cannot make the playoffs. Now, Case Keenum is a very good backup quarterback. Is he Nick Foles? Is he the magic man? No, but we saw what Keenum did in 2017 when Kevin Stefanski was the QB coach. Keenum has been in this system, you know, a lot with Stefanski in Minnesota and now here with the Browns. He knows it like the back of his hand. He looks like Baker Mayfield. He's going to play like Baker Mayfield. And I think that Case Keenum will not be as much of a downgrade as a lot of people think. Now, with all the injuries here, uh, the Browns are favored by two. So what that basically means, and that's what's that telling you, is again, the typical NFL score, in my opinion, is usually decided by three points. So when the line like this is two, in my opinion, you have to bet it. And you just have to pick who you think will win the game. 
and call me a homer all you want. Call me whatever you want. Uh, I think the Browns are going to go in here, and I think my, minus Chubb, minus Green Hunt, they're going to win this football game. I don't even know if Jarvis Landry is going to play. I don't even know if Odell Beckham is going to play. But here's a fact, okay? Denver, even if they win this game some way, somehow, they still stink. Again, they beat the Jets, they beat the Giants, and they beat the Jaguars. Guess what? Those three teams have one win each this season. That equals a total of three. Yeah, Denver has three wins. Okay? They lost to Las Vegas. They lost to Baltimore. They just, they don't look like a good football team. They look like they beat up on some pretty weak teams. And for the Browns, I don't want to hear about Nick Chubb and Green Hunt being out. I don't want to hear about the tackles being out. I don't want to hear about the receivers being out. We talked all preseason and all offseason about death. And I realized some of that got taken away with JOK also now out on injured return. But if the Browns are going to be a Super Bowl team this year, which at this point, by the way, uh, I do a tier list personally on my own. I don't release these. I will release an NFL midseason report card with that same, uh, you know, second tier. But every four weeks I do an NFL tier list. And I have moved the Browns out of my uh, Super Bowl contenders list. I have moved them into a new tier that I created for tier number two. And they are in the Seattle, the San Francisco, the Las Vegas Raiders tier. Of, hey, something happened to this team. You know, even if it was the tragedy with John Groot, or if it's quarterback injuries, you know, or other injuries to George Kittle, to Jimmy Garoppolo, to Trey Lance, to Russell Wilson. Uh, the Browns, with all these injuries right now, are in that tier. And when you add that amount of injuries, there is no excuse uh, to not winning football games because every team is banged up. But when you don't win these games, when you're free and free, which, by the way, I don't know why everybody predicted them to be 5-1 and one for the first six games. I had them at either 4-2 and two or 3-3. Three and three. I thought 4-2 was more realistic. But right now, the defense is getting lost out there. The offense is not moving the ball. The Browns do not look like a Super Bowl contender. But Denver's not a very good football team, and I still expect the Browns to win. Next game here. This game's going to teach us a lot about the Bengals, right? Because they're going to Baltimore. The Ravens are favored by 6.5. Now, my worry here is, you know, Baltimore pounced on the Chargers last week. They destroyed them. Typically, when a team destroys another team, and by the way, Cincinnati also destroyed Detroit. But typically, when a good team destroys another good team, the next week, I feel like there's a little bit of pullback. Cincinnati knows it's a big test for them. Almost in a way like Buffalo knew. It was a big test for them two weeks ago when they went into Kansas City. Will the Bengals be able to stop the Ravens' rushing attack? I think that is the key. If they are, I think they will cover. If they don't, this has real potential to be a blow. And if you are a Browns fan, I think you have to ask the question of, do we want Baltimore to just blow out Cincinnati and have it come down? You know, really, because I don't really think, and no disrespect to the Steelers, I don't think they're a legitimate threat. I think they've beaten some easy teams, including Denver, uh, Seattle, you know, without Russell Wilson. Yes, they do have that one win over Buffalo, but again, Buffalo played them most of the game. That was weird. It was week one. Weird things happen in week one, as we know. Uh, so I think it would be down to the Ravens and Browns for the division, with Baltimore obviously being the clear front runner. If they were to win this game, I'm not going to bet this game because, again, to me, it could go either way. 
Baltimore could either blow them out or it could go down to the wire. I think the Bengals have a legitimate offense. Obviously, with those three great wide receivers, C.J. Uzama, tight end, the offensive line hasn't really seemed like an issue for Joe Burrow. This Bengals defense, with the addition of Trey Anderson, you know, Jesse Bates is still there. They added Mike Ilton on the slot. They're getting better. Uh, and, you know, I just, I really feel like that this could be a close game, but I'm going to stay away from it. I'll pick the Ravens at home. Next game here. This game worries me because I really like the number of Kansas City minus four against Tennessee. But why am I worried? Because I really like Buffalo against Tennessee. And Derrick Henry ran all over them. And we saw what the Chiefs rushing defense has done this year. Listen, Tennessee's defense is piss poor. I think Kansas City could score every time they get the football. I don't love the Titans defense at all. Uh, but I also feel like that Tennessee can control the clock. And so that worries me about not only this pick, but this spread. Because if the Chiefs cannot stop Derrick Henry, and by the way, Tennessee has beaten the Chiefs before. They have the formula. They even beat Baltimore before. I mean, Derrick Henry is an absolute freaking beast. He is a monster. Uh, and I do feel like that Tennessee has a great chance here to win this game, but I'm not going to pick them. I'm going to go with Kansas City. All right, next game here. We got the Jets, and they're taking on the Patriots. Now, if I didn't like, you know, my my other lines this week, I would take New England minus 7, and I actually might swap them out. Uh, right now, as we're talking here on the podcast, I think I'm going to do it. I add another bet in the late window that I'll get to, but I think I'm going to swap that team out with New England. So I'm going to make an amendment here. I'm not going to edit this in or, or anything. I'm just going to freelance here. I am going to bet New England minus 7 against the Jets. Listen, uh, Zach Wilson really struggled week 2 against Belichick. New England, they should have beat Dallas last week. I realize their defense is not good. I realize the Jets are coming off a bye. But I think Zach Wilson saw a ghost in week 2. I think Belichick has figured out this Jets defense. Listen, or excuse me, this Jets offense. And listen. Uh, they did well against the Jets defense, too. Damian Harris ran all over them, and Belichick needs a win right now. They're sitting at 2-4. and four. Can you imagine if New England drops to 2-5? and five? And I took a look at the schedule early, and I saw Houston on it. I saw the Jets twice. You know, I saw Miami on there. Um, you know, I saw New Orleans on there, who I didn't think was great. I mean, you were looking at a potential 5-2 and two start. And here you are at best three and four, and your wins would come, you know, against the Jets in Houston. I mean, that's just not a good look for Belichick either way, but they have to win this game. I'm going to take New England minus seven. Again, they crushed the Jets in week two. I think they do it again. Next game, I'm also going to bet here. We got the Falcons plus two and a half against the Dolphins. And I don't understand here why Miami is favored at all. Uh, listen, Atlanta... You know, has one more win than the Dolphins. They have the better quarterback. I would take Matt Ryan over Tua right now. Atlanta has an explosive offense. Miami's corners are beat up. Now, I realize Miami can score. But, you know, who knows what the hell of those receivers are going to be. Obviously, they were missing three of them against London. And I don't know if they have anybody to stop Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, and that Falcons attack. Miami is also coming off a London game where they do not get a bye. Atlanta's coming off a London game where they do get a bye. 
And I think Arthur Smith, who is in the AFC, he's played the Dolphins a few times. I think he's going to scheme something up. I like the Falcons here with a better offense. This could be a shootout, folks. Both defenses are pretty piss poor. And in a shootout, I think you definitely take Matt Ryan over Tua. Listen, the rumors of Deshaun Watson are real because Tua Tagovailoa is not a good quarterback. I have said this repeatedly. I have banged the table for months. The Dolphins should have taken another quarterback at number three in that draft. They should have not traded back with the Niners. They should have taken another quarterback because Tua Tagovailoa ain't it. I said they would live to regret it. The only way they won't is if they get to Sean Watson. And by the way, he will not play this year more than likely even if he does get traded to Miami. So the Dolphins, who have the Texans pick, obviously they don't have their own because they gave it to my Philadelphia Eagles. If they trade Tua, they may have to go with Jacoby Brissett for the rest of the year. But they don't care because they have the Texans pick and they're going to be one of the worst in the league. And they can use that pick on a superstar-like player in the draft rather than going to get a quarterback. So we'll see next year. The Dolphins could easily be the second team, best team in the division because right now it isn't only the Patriots and Jets are all that. What's holding back Miami is their just piss-poor lack of quarterback play. Next game here, I really like the Panthers minus three against the Giants. I think the Panthers are going to bounce back. Even without Christian McCaffrey, I think Shuba Hubbard, Jeremy Chin, you know, Burns, uh, Jack Thompson, that defense going to be flying all over the field. The Giants got embarrassed last week. And listen, this is not one of those instances where a good team gets embarrassed and they bounce back. A bad team got embarrassed because they're a bad football team. They went up against a vastly superior football team in the Los Angeles Rams. They're going up against a superior team, not vastly, vastly superior, but a superior team. I think Matt Rule just beats up on the Giants. The Giants are one of the worst teams in the league this year, okay? I don't know how they beat the Saints. That was an embarrassing loss for the Saints. The Giants stink, and they're once again going to stink it up. Bet Carolina. So again, already as a recap, I got the Browns, I got New England, I got Atlanta, and I got Carolina as four of my best bets. Next team here, we got Washington at Green Bay. Now this line originally opened up at 10. It's gone down to 7.5. I don't like this number at all because Green Bay rarely covers. But the Washington football team hasn't been able to cover a fly this year. And as we've talked about already on the podcast, their defense has not been as good this year as a whole. They're not getting much pass rush. It's been Taylor Heineke-centric. And in a game when it's Aaron Rodgers against Taylor Heineke, you know who I'm going to take. Give me Green Bay. I'm not going to bet them because Green Bay seems to never cover. They're a weird team that plays terrible in the first half. I think Washington gives them a game. Maybe Green Bay gets a white touchdown to go up by 10 and put them away because that's the way the Green Bay games always go. But the Packers will at least win the game. Next game here. This may be one of the most interesting games of the weekend. I'm not just saying that because I'm an Eagles fan. Uh, The Eagles and Raiders is a very interesting game. Because the Raiders obviously now with Rich Passacci coming off his first win against the Broncos. And we don't know if that was just adrenaline rush or if the Raiders, who are now 4-2, are truly a good football team. I think, by the way, they could have beat the Bears if John Gruden and all that stuff did not happen with, with, with the distraction. But the Raiders' offensive line is not good. Uh, and they have not ran the football effectively at all this year with Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake. 
You're going to need to do that against an Eagles defense that is terrible against the run this season. But the Eagles, as I mentioned all year long, that defensive line of Fletcher Cox, Josh Sweat, Javon Argrave, Derek Barnett, Ryan Kerrigan, they're going to need to get after Derek Carr. Darius Slay is in a pretty good year in the secondary. So is Steven Nelson. So is Rondé Maddox. The Eagles corners have not been terrible. Neither have their safeties. Uh, Rodney McLeod or Anthony Ayers. What they need, though, is a ferocious pass rush. And if their defense can keep them in the game. I don't love Las Vegas' defense this year. I love Max Crosby and I love Carl Nassim on the outside. But I don't love their secondary. I think Devontae Smith could have a big day. Listen, Teddy Bridgewater, who has a noodle arm, threw big on the Raiders' secondary. So I do think Jalen Urge could have a good game. I'm not predicting the Eagles to win. But this game reminds me a lot of the Atlanta game week one and the Carolina game week five. The two games the Eagles have won this year. It's sneaky games against teams that could be better than them, but they're not really. The Eagles' defense keeps them in it. Their offense scores enough points. Philly could pull the upset here. I would 100% stay away from this game. Next game here. If I didn't like some of the other Lions this week, this line actually looks enticing. It's the Lions at the Rams. Jared Goff going back to L.A. As much as we love MCDC, Dan Campbell around here, the Lions stink. They're probably going to get their doors blown off by the Rams. The Rams are just the vastly superior team. We are moving on. Arizona is going to kill Houston. We are moving on to the Bears and the Bucks. Now, this is the game that on the fly here on this podcast, I amended in my best bets and put New England in. I originally had Tampa Bay minus 12.5. Now, this line has gone down from 13.5, which is why I liked it even more. Uh, the Bears, I know they beat Tampa Week 5 last year on Thursday Night Football. That was a different Bucks team. This is a different Bears team as well. It's probably a worse Bears team, a better Bucks team. And Chicago was at home in that game. Tampa Bay is at home in this game. The Bears' offense is pathetic. They only have one good weapon in Allen Robinson, and they're not even having to double-team him because he can't even get open because Justin Fields is just getting killed. They cannot pass the ball unless it's the Cole Komet, their tight end. Their offensive line is terrible. Khalil Mack in that defense has had to win them games. Obviously, Roquan Smith has had a good year. Their pass rush is okay. I think they bother Brady a little bit. But I don't think they're going to be able to cover all those receivers. Give me Tampa Bay here. And again, if I was betting six games, I definitely would take Tampa Bay here minus 12 and a half. This is the other game, though, that I do want to bet. Colts at San Francisco. And the Niners are favored by four. And I thought about it. I said, you know, this week, I don't really have a lot of upsets. My biggest upset on the board, I would say, would be Atlanta plus two and a half against the Dolphins. And I said, where can I find another upset? And I think this could be the game. Because with Jimmy Garoppolo coming back now, there is a lot of pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. Trey Lance is hurt right now. Is that the reason why Jimmy Garoppolo is starting? Or is Jimmy Garoppolo the starter? Kyle Sheenan really hasn't been definitive. Me personally, I'm surprised Jimmy Garoppolo is back in there as the starter, even if Trey Lance is hurt. Uh, I think the Niners are done with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think they believe in him. Me personally, I think when he can, Trey Lance will start. We'll have to see him 
The Colts got some big momentum this year by beating the Texans and playing very well against Baltimore, a game they should have won. They're getting better. Carson Wentz has, you know, over 200 pass times right now without an interception. He's not turning the ball over. The Niners' defense isn't as good as it was in the past. I think T.Y. Owen and Michael Pittman are heating up a receiver. Indianapolis is getting a good pass rush. Darius Leonard, their all-pro linebacker, is flying around the football. And I think Jonathan Taylor could have a big day. This is a big game for the Colts. A big opportunity, especially when they watch in the 1 o'clock window when Tennessee potentially goes down to Kansas City. Listen, the AFC South is the worst division in football. And if Tennessee goes down to Kansas City and the Colts beat the Niners. I believe they are tied at 3-4 and four for the AFC South lead. Indy obviously has Houston again. They got Jacksonville twice. Now so does Tennessee. Now they play each other. I believe it's in week 10. It may be even in week 8 or 9, but I think it's coming up here soon in Indianapolis. The coach of the other team right now, they look like they're getting better after that gauntlet they had to face the year. They still have to deal with Arizona in the NFC West. They still have to go out there that's a tough game, but they also have the Jets in New England at home, which they should handle. So, you know, I think the Colts are going to get better. I think they can pull off the upset here. Next game, this is a tricky game between the Saints and the Seahawks. Now, if Russell Wilson was starting, I would pick Seattle all day. I don't trust Geno Smith. This is a tricky line. I feel like Pittsburgh kind of led Seattle back in the game last week. They were dead. I think the Saints coming off a bye. I think Sean Payne's excellent coming off a bye. I think the Saints schemed something up. I think Alvin Kamara has a big day against a bad Seahawks defense that only has Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams. That's it. They don't really have a pass rush at all. That's why they're putting on Jamal Adams and getting burned on the back end. I think the Saints going to Seattle Horde is not the same Seahawks without Russell Wilson, and I think they pull out a victory. So as a reminder, I got the Browns at home. I'm betting them minus two against Denver. Baltimore at home over Cincinnati. Kansas City on the road against Tennessee. New England, I'm betting minus seven against the Jets. Atlanta, I'm betting plus two and a half against the Dolphins. Carolina, I'm betting minus three against the Giants. Green Bay at home, minus 7.5 against Washington. Vegas at home, minus 3 against Philly. Rams at home against the Lions are favored by 14.5. Arizona at home against Houston. Tampa Bay at home against Chicago. I'm betting Indianapolis plus 4. It's my second upset I'm going to pick this week over the Niners. And on Monday night, I am picking the Saints on the road who are favored by 4.5. I'm not going to bet that game. But I think that they will defeat the Seattle Seahawks. Gentlemen, boys and girls, gentlemen, what's up? You are listening live here to the Brandon's World Podcast on this Thursday, October 21st, 2021. It is a big, big Thursday. We have, of course, Thursday night football tonight between the Denver Broncos and my beat up hometown Cleveland Browns. Today is also the WWE Crown Jewel pay-per-view. Saudi Arabia, Saudi Mania, whatever you want to call it. It has a WrestleMania-like art, a international mega event. 
Of course, in the AOC is in the NOC as the Braves have gone up 3-1 on the Dodgers. Braves led by former Indian Eddie Rosario are looking to make it to the World Series as well as the Astros have now gone up 3-2 on the Boston Red Sox. It is a pack. It is a wild podcast here today on Brandon's World. As always, if you have not done already, make sure to go on Twitter. Make sure to search at real underscore B World. Give us a follow. You can also, of course, follow me personally at Brandon Lewis underscore seven. And as I announced on Monday, I have began a new journey with Believe Land Media. I am now the official host of the All Things Cavalier podcast. I will put that link in the description. Our first episode with my co-host Joey Snyder dropped yesterday where we previewed the upcoming Cavalier season. It was a great podcast and I can't wait to work with Joey all season long. Now, without further ado, we're going to kick things off today by getting into it right away. These are my week seven NFL predictions and best bets for the record. Last week, I went 13-1 and straight up in picks. The only game I lost was Buffalo at Tennessee on Monday Night Football. I also went 5-0 and in my best bets. Last week, I bet Jacksonville plus 3 against the Dolphins. I bet the Rams minus 9.5 against the Giants. I bet Baltimore minus 2.5 against the Chargers. I bet Kansas City minus six and a half against the football team, and I bet Arizona plus three against the Browns. So again, without further ado, let's get into it. These are my week seven NFL predictions and best bets. And we're gonna start things off with tonight's game. Of course, the Denver Broncos, led by defensive-minded, boring head coach Vic Fangio, taking on a Browns team that is beat up. No Baker Mayfield. And for the record, I, a little bit in my head, hope that we do not see Baker Mayfield for the rest of the 2021 NFL season. Now, by the way, also, that doesn't mean that the Browns cannot make the playoffs. Now, Case Keenum is a very good backup quarterback. Is he Nick Foles? Is he the magic man? No, but we saw what Keenum did in 2017 when Kevin Stefanski was the QB coach. Keenum has been in this system, you know, a lot with Stefanski in Minnesota and now here with the Browns. He knows it like the back of his hand. He looks like Baker Mayfield. He's going to play like Baker Mayfield. And I think that Ace Keenum will not be as much of a downgrade as a lot of people think. Now, with all the injuries here, uh, the Browns are favored by two. So what that basically means, and that's what's that telling you, is again, the typical NFL score, in my opinion, is usually decided by three points. So when the line like this is two, in my opinion, you have to bet it, and you just have to pick who you think will win the game. And call me Omer all you want, call me whatever you want, uh, I think the Browns are going to go in here, and I think my, minus Chubb, minus Green Hunt, they're going to win this football game. I don't even know if Jarvis Landry is going to play. I don't even know if Odell Beckham is going to play. But here's a fact, okay? Denver, even if they win this game some way, somehow, they still stink. Again, they beat the Jets, they beat the Giants, and they beat the Jaguars. Guess what? Those three teams have one win each this season. That equals a total of three. Yeah, Denver has three wins, okay? They lost to Las Vegas. They lost to Baltimore. 
they just, they don't look like a good football team. They look like they beat up on some pretty weak teams. And for the Browns, I don't want to hear about Nick Chubb and Green Hunt being out. I don't want to hear about the tackles being out. I don't want to hear about the receivers being out. We talked all preseason and all offseason about death. And I realized some of that got taken away with JOK also now out on injured reserve. But if the Browns are going to be a Super Bowl team this year, which at this point, by the way, uh, I do a tier list personally on my own. I don't release these. I will release an NFL midseason report card with that same, uh, you know, second tier. But every four weeks I do an NFL tier list. And I have moved the Browns out of my uh, Super Bowl contenders list. I have moved them into a new tier that I created for tier number two. And they are in the Seattle, the San Francisco, the Las Vegas Raiders tier. Of Hey, something happened to this team. You know, even if it was the tragedy with John Gruden or if it's quarterback injuries, you know, or other injuries to George Kittle, to Jimmy Garoppolo, to Trey Lance, to Russell Wilson. Uh, the Browns, with all these injuries right now, are in that tier. And when you add that amount of injuries, there is no excuse uh, to not winning football games because every team is banged up. But when you don't win these games, when you're free and free, which, by the way, I don't know why everybody predicted them to be 5-1 and one for the first six games. I had them in either 4-2 and two or free and free. I thought 4-2 was more realistic. But right now, the defense is getting lost out there. The offense is not moving the ball. The Browns do not look like a Super Bowl contender. But Denver's not a very good football team, and I still expect the Browns to win. Next game here. This game's going to teach us a lot about the Bengals, right? Because they're going to Baltimore. The Ravens are favored by 6.5. Now, my worry here is, you know, Baltimore pounced on the Chargers last week. They destroyed them. Typically, when a team destroys another team, and by the way, Cincinnati also destroyed Detroit, but typically when a good team destroys another good team, the next week, I feel like there's a little bit of pullback. Cincinnati knows it's a big test for them, almost in a way like Buffalo knew. It was a big test for them two weeks ago when they went into Kansas City. Will the Bengals be able to stop the Ravens' rushing attack? I think that is the key. If they are, I think they will cover. If they don't, this has real potential to be a blow. And if you are a Browns fan, I think you have to ask the question of, do we want Baltimore to just blow out Cincinnati and have it come down? Do you know, Roy? Because I don't really think, and no disrespect to the Steelers, I don't think they're a legitimate threat. I think they've beaten some easy teams, including Denver, uh, Seattle, you know, without Russell Wilson. Yes, they do have that 1-1 over Buffalo, but again, Buffalo played them most of the game. That was weird. It was week one. Weird things happen in week one, as we know. Uh, so I think it would be down to the Ravens and Browns for the division, with Baltimore obviously being the clear front runner if they were to win this game. I'm not going to bet this game because, again, to me, it could go either way. Baltimore could either bore them out or it could go down to the wire. I think the Bengals have a legitimate offense. Obviously, with those three great wide receivers, C.J. Uzama, tight end, the offensive line hasn't really seemed like an issue for Joe Burrow. This Bengals defense with the addition of Trey Anderson. You know, Jesse Bates is still there. They added Mike Ilton off the slot. They're getting better. Um, and, you know, I just, I really feel like that this could be a close game, but I'm going to stay away from it. I'll pick the Ravens at home. Next game here. This game worries me because I really like the number of Kansas City minus four against Tennessee. 
But why am I worried? Because I really liked Buffalo against Tennessee, and Derrick Henry ran all over them, and we saw what the Chiefs' rushing defense has done this year. Listen, Tennessee's defense is piss poor. I think Kansas City could score every time they get the football. I don't love the Titans' defense at all. Uh, but I also feel like that Tennessee can control the clock. And so that worries me about not only this pick, but this spread. Because if the Chiefs cannot stop Derrick Henry, and by the way, Tennessee has beaten the Chiefs before. They have the formula. They even beat Baltimore before. I mean, Derrick Henry is an absolute freaking beast. He is a monster. Uh, and I do feel like that Tennessee has a great chance here to win this game, but I'm not going to pick them. I'm going to go with Kansas City. All right, next game here. We got the Jets, and they're taking on the Patriots. Now, if I didn't like, you know, my my other lines this week, I would take New England minus seven, and I actually might swap them out. Uh, right now, as we're talking here on the podcast, I think I'm going to do it. I add another bet in the late window that I'll get to, but I think I'm going to swap that team out with New England. So I'm going to make an amendment here. I'm not going to edit this in or, or anything. I'm just going to freelance here. I am going to bet New England minus seven against the Jets. Listen, uh, Zach Wilson really struggled week two against Belichick. New England, they should have beat Dallas last week. I realize their defense is not good. I realize the Jets are coming off a bye. But I think Zach Wilson saw ghost in week two. I think Belichick has figured out this Jets defense. Listen, or excuse me, this Jets offense. And listen, uh, they did well against the Jets defense too. Damian Harris ran all over them. And Belichick needs a win right now. They're sitting at 2-4. and four. Can you imagine if New England drops to 2-5? and five? And I took a look at the schedule early. And I saw Houston on it. I saw the Jets twice. You know, I saw Miami on there. Um, you know, I saw New Orleans on there, who I didn't think was great. I mean, you were looking at a potential 5-2 and two start, and here you are at best 3-4, and four, and your wins would come, you know, against the Jets in Houston. I mean, that's just not a good look for Belichick either way, but they have to win this game. I'm going to take New England minus 7. Again, they crushed the Jets in Week 2. I think they do it again. Next game, I'm also going to bet here. We got the Falcons plus two and a half against the Dolphins. And I don't understand here why Miami is favored at all. Uh, listen, Atlanta, you know, has one more win than the Dolphins. They have the better quarterback. I would take Matt Ryan over Tua right now. Atlanta has an explosive offense. Miami's corners are beat up. Now, I realize Miami can score, but, you know, who knows what the hell those receivers are going to be. Obviously, they were missing three of them against London, and I don't know if they have anybody to stop Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, and that Falcons attack. Miami is also coming off a London game where they do not get a bye. Atlanta's coming off a London game where they do get a bye. And I think Arthur Smith, who is in the AFC, he's played the Dolphins a few times. I think he's going to scheme something up. I like the Falcons here with a better offense. This could be a shootout, folks. Both defenses are pretty piss poor. And in a shootout, I think you definitely take Matt Ryan over Tua. Listen, the rumors of Deshaun Watson are real because Tua Tagovailoa is not a good quarterback. I have said this repeatedly. I have banged the table for months. The Dolphins should have taken another quarterback at number three in that draft. They should have not traded back with the Niners. They should have taken another quarterback because Tua Tagovailoa ain't it. I said they would live to regret it. 
The only way they won't is if they get Deshaun Watson. And by the way, he will not play this year more than likely even if he does get traded to Miami. So the Dolphins, who have the Texans pick, obviously they don't have their own because they gave it to my Philadelphia Eagles. If they trade Tua, they may have to go with Jacoby Brissett for the rest of the year, but they don't care because they have the Texans pick, and they're going to be one of the worst in the league, and they can use that pick on a superstar-like player in the draft rather than going to get a quarterback. So we'll see next year. The Dolphins could easily be the second team, best team in the division because right now it doesn't look like the Patriots and Jets are all that. What's holding back Miami is they're just piss poor lack of quarterback play. Next game here, I really like the Panthers minus three against the Giants. I think the Panthers are going to bounce back. Even without Christian McAvery, I think Chuba Hubbard, Jeremy Chin, you know, Burns, uh, Shaq Thompson, that defense going to be flying all over the field. The Giants got embarrassed last week. And listen, this is not one of those instances where a good team gets embarrassed and they bounce back. A bad team got embarrassed because they're a bad football team. They went up against a vastly superior football team in the Los Angeles Rams. They're going up against a superior team. Not vastly, vastly superior, but a superior team. I think Matt Rule just beats up on the Giants. The Giants are one of the worst teams in the league this year, okay? I don't know how they beat the Saints. That was an embarrassing loss for the Saints. The Giants stink, and they're once again going to stink it up. Bet Carolina. So again, already as a recap, I got the Browns, I got New England, I got Atlanta, and I got Carolina as four of my best bets. Next game here, we got Washington at Green Bay. Now this line originally opened up at 10. It's gone down to 7.5. I don't like this number at all because Green Bay rarely covers, but the Washington football team hasn't been able to cover a fly this year, and as we've talked about already on the podcast, their defense has not been as good this year as oh, they're not getting much pass rush. It's been Taylor Heineke-centric. And in a game when it's Aaron Rodgers against Taylor Heineke, you know who I'm going to take. Give me Green Bay. I'm not going to bet them because Green Bay seems to never cover. They're a weird team that plays terrible in the first half. I think Washington gives them a game. Maybe Green Bay gets a white touchdown to go up by 10 and put them away because that's the way the Green Bay games always go. But the Packers will at least win the game. Next game here, this may be one of the most interesting games of the weekend. I'm not just saying that because I'm an Eagles fan. Uh, The Eagles and Raiders is a very interesting game. Because the Raiders, obviously, now with Rich Pisacci coming off his first win against the Broncos. And we don't know if that was just adrenaline rush or if these Raiders, who are now 4-2, and two, are truly a good football team. I think, by the way, they could have beat the Bears if John Gruden and all that stuff did not have them with, with, with the distraction. But the Raiders' offensive line is not good. Uh, and they have not ran the football effectively at all this year with Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake. They're going to need to do that against an Eagles defense that is terrible against the run this season. But the Eagles, as I mentioned all year long, that defensive line of Fletcher Cox, Josh Sweat, Javon Argrave, Derek Barnett, Ryan Kerrigan, they're going to need to get after Derek Carr. Darius Slay is in a pretty good year in the secondary. So is Steven Nelson. So is Vontae Maddox. The Eagles' corners have not been terrible. Neither have their safeties, uh, Ronnie McLeod or Anthony Ayers. What they need, though, is a ferocious pass rush. And if their defense can keep them in the game, I don't love Las Vegas' defense this year. I love Max Crosby and I love Carl Nassib on the outside, but I don't love their secondary. 
I think Devontae Smith could have a big day. Or is it Teddy Bridgewater, who has a noodle arm, threw big on the Raiders secondary. So I do think J1 Ernst could have a good game. I'm not predicting the Eagles to win. But this game reminds me of one of the Atlanta game week one and the Carolina game week five. The two games the Eagles have won this year. It's sneaky games against teams that could be better than them, but they're not really. The Eagles defense keeps them in it. Their offense scores enough points. Philly could pull the upset here. I would 100% stay away from this game. Next game here. If I didn't like some of the other Lions this week, this line actually looks enticing. It's the Lions at the Rams. Jared Goff going back to L.A. As much as we love MCDC, Dan Campbell around here, the Lions stink. They're probably going to get their doors blown off by the Rams. The Rams are just the vastly superior team. We are moving on. Arizona is going to kill Houston. We are moving on to the Bears and the Bucks. Now, this is the game that on the fly here on this podcast, I amended in my best bets and put New England in. I originally had Tampa Bay minus 12.5. Now, this line has gone down from 13.5, which is why I liked it even more. Uh, The Bears, I know they beat Tampa Week 5 last year on Thursday Night Football. That was a different Bucks team. This is a different Bears team as well. It's probably a worse Bears team, a better Bucks team. And Chicago was at home in that game. Tampa Bay is at home in this game. The Bears offense is pathetic. They only have one good weapon in Allen Robinson. And they're not even having to double team him because he can't even get open because Justin Fields is just getting killed. They cannot pass the ball unless it's the Cole Komet, their tight end. Their offensive line is terrible. Khalil Mack in that defense has had to win them games. Obviously, Roquan Smith has had a good year. Their pass rush is okay. I think they bother Brady a little bit, but I don't think they're going to be able to cover all those receivers. Give me Tampa Bay here, and again, if I was betting six games, I definitely would take Tampa Bay here minus 12.5. This is the other game, though, that I do want to bet. Colts at San Francisco, and the Niners are favored by four. And I thought about it. I said, you know, this week, I don't really have a lot of upsets. My biggest upset on the board, I would say, would be Atlanta plus two and a half against the Dolphins. And I said, where can I find another upset? And I think this could be the game. Because with Jimmy Garoppolo coming back now, there is a lot of pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. Trey Lance is hurt right now. Is that the reason why Jimmy Garoppolo was starting? Or is Jimmy Garoppolo the starter? Kyle Sheenan really hasn't been definitive. Me personally, I'm surprised Jimmy Garoppolo is back in there as the starter, even if Trey Lance is hurt. Uh, I think the Niners are done with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think they believe in him. Me personally, I think when he can, Trey Lance will start. We'll have to see him The Colts got some big momentum this year by beating the Texans and playing very well against Baltimore, a game they should have won. They're getting better. Carson Wentz has, you know, over 200 pass times right now without an interception. He's not turning the ball over. The Niners' defense isn't as good as it was in the past. I think T.Y.O. and Michael Pittman are heating up a receiver. Indianapolis is getting a good pass rush. Darius Leonard, their all-pro linebacker, is flying around the football. And I think Jonathan Taylor could have a big day. This is a big game for the Colts. A big opportunity, especially when they watch in the 1 o'clock window when Tennessee potentially goes down to Kansas City. Listen, the AFC South is the worst division in football, and if Tennessee goes down to Kansas City and the Colts beat 
the Niners. I believe they are tied at 3-4 and four for the AFC South lead. Indy, obviously, has Houston again. They got Jacksonville twice. Now, so does Tennessee. Now, they play each other. I believe it's in Week 10. It may be even in Week 8 or 9, but I think it's coming up here soon in Indianapolis. The coach of the other team right now, they look like they're getting better after that gauntlet they had to face the year. They still have to deal with Arizona in the NFC West. They still have to go out there. That's a tough game, but they also have the Jets in New England at home, which they should handle. So, you know, I think the Colts are going to get better. I think they can pull off the upset here. Next game, this is a tricky game between the Saints and the Seahawks. Now, if Russell Wilson was starting, I would pick Seattle all day. I don't trust Geno Smith. This is a tricky line. I feel like Pittsburgh kind of liked Seattle back in the game last week. They were dead. I think the Saints coming off a bye. I think Sean Payne's excellent coming off a bye. I think the Saints schemed something up. I think Alvin Kamara has a big day against a bad Seahawks defense that only has Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams. That's it. They don't really have a pass rush at all. That's why they're putting on to Jamal Adams and getting burned on the back end. I think the Saints going to Seattle, who are just not the same Seahawks without Russell Wilson, and I think they pull out a victory. So as a reminder, I got the Browns at home. I'm betting them minus two against Denver. Baltimore at home over Cincinnati. Kansas City on the road against Tennessee. New England, I'm betting minus seven against the Jets. Atlanta, I'm betting plus two and a half against the Dolphins. Carolina, I'm betting minus three against the Giants. Green Bay at home, minus 7.5 against Washington. Vegas at home, minus 3 against Philly. Rams at home against the Lions are favored by 14.5. Arizona at home against Houston. Tampa Bay at home against Chicago. I'm betting Indianapolis plus 4. It's my second upset I'm going to pick this week over the Niners. And on Monday night, I am picking the Saints on the road who are favored by 4.5. I'm not going to bet that game. But I think that they will defeat the Seattle Seahawks. Alrighty, and now it is time to get to the Crown Jewel pay-per-view that's happening today at noon Eastern over in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia in Riyadh. Now, yesterday I wrote my preview and predictions. I'm going to put that article as well in the description below. But... I think we're going to go in the order of how I think the match order will go. We're not just going to go from top to bottom, so you guys have to listen to the whole podcast. Sorry about that. Spoiler alert, by the way, the Universe Championship match will be in the main event. But let's get right to breaking down the Crown Jewel pay-per-view. And I think this pay-per-view could start off with a heavy hitting, no disqualifications, no countouts, no holds barred between Oldberg. Oldberg and Bobby Lashley. Now, I didn't think their SummerSlam match for the WWE Championship was anything spectacular. Uh, you know, clearly the angle was done to get this second match in Saudi, which I do think Goldberg will go over. I do think Goldberg's son Gage will get involved and help his dad defeat Bobby Lashley. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see where Lashley goes from here because he's still on Raw. He can still go after Big E and the WWE Championship. But now that the Earth business is back together, and they have a match on the kickoff show, by the way, between the Usos and Cedric Alexander and John Benjamin of the Reform Earth business, which, by the way, I'll take the Usos in that matchup. So we'll see. Maybe Lashley goes after, you know, RK-Bro 
you know, I know he wanted to go after him with MVP, but maybe he gets Cedric Alexander and Sean Benjamin to go after RK Bro or Stars and Amos, whoever wins the Raw Tag Team Championships. But I think Goldberg here wins going away. Next matchup, which I'll be honest, is the worst matchup on the card. It's Ali and Mansoor. I don't really care too much about this matchup. Mansoor will win in his hometown as both those superstars end up Friday Night SmackDown. The next match, we have a Queen's Crown Tournament. And this tournament has been booked so weird. It's been so confusing. Uh, you know, I thought that Lynn Morgan was going to defeat Carmella. And I did think Selena Vega was going to beat Tony Storm. I think we, I thought we were going to have Liv Morgan against uh, Selena Vega in the semifinals. It did not happen. We had Selena Vega versus Carmella. And then on the Raw side, we had Dewdrop against Natalya. We had Shayna Baszler against Dana Brooke. That Shayna Baszler-Dewdrop match made sense to me. What didn't make sense to me was uh, Shayna Baszler losing to Dewdrop. I really did feel that Shayna Baszler was going to win the whole thing. I thought it made sense. She's the queen of spades. She needs the queen's crown. She's working with Sonya Deville and her storyline with Naomi. Shayna Baszler is going to get a huge push. But this just feels like a way that WWE is going to push Dewdrop. And in a finals that I thought was going to have Shayna Baszler versus Liv Morgan with Shayna Baszler going over, we have Dewdrop against Zelina Vega. And I thought they brought in this Dewdrop just to work with Eva Marie. But now that Eva Marie is out, they're actually pushing the happy go lucky superstar. It's surprising to me. All the Queen's Crown matches have gone under, you know, four minutes in length. It's been a terribly booked tournament. It's looked a lot worse. It's looked very inferior to the King of the Ring tournament. And that's not good for the inaugural tournament. Dewdrop is going to be remembered forever as the first ever one. You know, just like Bruno Sammartino was remembered as the first ever WWE champion. Just like, you know, Finn Bauer is remembered as the first ever Universal champion. Uh, Dewdrop is going to be remembered as the first ever Queen's Crown Tournament. Her name is going to go down in the history books, and we'll have to see if they give her anything with it. Next matchup here, a fun one between RK Pro and Thousand Almost. We saw their match at SummerSlam, which, by the way, I thought went a little bit short. Now, I do admit these guys, between Randy Orton and Riddle, they have been in the ring with AJ Styles for it's felt like two consecutive years. You add in Amos, who's really fun, who's a giant, who apparently needs a little bit more work in the ring before he's ready to be a singles competitor. That's why they didn't break up AJ Styles and Amos in the draft. But I do feel like that, you know, RK Pro does pick up the victory here. They do retain. Now, I want to see them take on the Alpha Academy. I want to see them take on the Street Profits, not just in a random Raw match, but in an actual feud for the Raw Tag Team titles. But these guys are going to steal the show, and I just hope that Amos finally catches that RKO in Saudi. The Saudi Arabia fans love Randy Orton. I think this would be the perfect time to do it. Up next which I think could be very well a match of the night candidate. The Rated R Superstar, Edge, versus Seth, that bastard Rollins, in hell, in a cell. This feud obviously started in 2014 when Seth Rollins tried to curb Seth Edge's retired neck into the match. Edge and Rollins came back to life in 2021 after Seth Rollins caused Edge the Universal Championship to best at Money in the Bank against Roman Reigns when Edge had the Universal Championship won. 
Edge defeated Rollins at SummerSlam. Rollins defeated Edge at Madison Square Garden. Edge has now finally realized that Seth Rollins is not Edge White. He is his own man. But he reminds Edge a lot of himself from when Edge was a younger eel when Edge was an up of a company. Obviously, Edge and Rollins have a lot of respect for each other. Seth Rollins even went over to Edge's house and invaded the man's personal house. And now this rivalry has gotten even more personal than what it was. Again, Rollins evading Edge, it's out. Rollins putting Edge on a stretcher. It wasn't enough for Rollins to lose the Edge at SummerSlam. It wasn't enough for Rollins to put Edge on a stretcher in the world's most famous arena. Rollins wants to end Edge. I don't think Edge is going to let that happen. Hopefully, for our sake, these two's feuds are done after this match. This is a perfect way to end the fight. I do not think they need to do one more match. They could be teammates in Survivor Series. I would not mind that aspect of the story of putting those two rivals on the same team. But who knows? Maybe Edge is running out of Survivor Series after all. Maybe Seth does this, does win this and bury Edge. I do not think so, though. But I do think this is the end of their feud. I think Edge does go over here. Next match. Please, WWE, let Xavier Woods win King of the Ring. This is the man's time. I realize Finn Balor is the prince. I realize they've been teasing us with Woods. It's probably not going to happen. But listen, this is the closest to single success Xavier Woods has ever had. Uh, you know, Xavier Woods, unlike his New Day brothers, has never held a singles championship in WWE. And Xavier Woods has had to watch Big E and Kofi Kingston win the WWE Championship. And for Xavier, who WWE has never seen as a single star, for him now to finally break out on SmackDown. You know, there's not a lot of singles baby faces on the SmackDown roster. The SmackDown roster right now is particularly weak. Not only in the tag team division, but in the singles babyface division. So, who knows? Maybe they like, you know, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods go a little solo for a little bit. They can still team here and there on occasion, but I think Xavier Woods needs this run as King of the Ring as much as Kofi Kingston and Big E needed their runs with the WWE Championship. Now that Kofi Kingston's back in the tag team scene, it does make him as a more legitimate competitor since he is a former WWE Champion. I think it will do the same for Woods, and I think it will elevate him to a, you know, mid-card to lower main event status if he does get this. I really think this could be his big push. Same thing could be said for Finn Bauer, who seems like he could get a big role on the Monday Night Raw brand. And if WWE does have plans in store for Bauer, who, by the way, has gotten some of the biggest pops since WWE has returned on the road, he seems to be really popular with the live crowd. It could be a direction they could go. Now, this may be the most interesting booked match on the card. It's the SmackDown Women's Championship between Bianca Belair, uh, Sasha Banks, and obviously the champion Becky Lynch. The interesting part about this is Charlotte Flair is still the Raw Women's Champion after Monday Night on Raw. She's moving to SmackDown in the draft. Becky Lynch, on the other hand, is moving from SmackDown to Raw. And I don't really think WWE wants to end Becky Lynch's title reign. And I don't think they want to end Charlotte Flair's title reign either. So they have to find a way to get the championship off of Becky and off of Charlotte. Switch the titles without doing a simple title switch. 
And one of the solutions I came up with is potentially adding Charlotte Flair to this match, making it a fatal four-way match. Where if you're Bianca, or if you're Becky, or if you're Charlotte, or if you're Sasha Banks, if you pin the champion, so let's say Bianca pins Charlotte, or let's say Sasha pins Charlotte, or let's say even Becky, you know, make Charlotte tap with his armor. If the champion, you know, falls, the person that created the fall ends up winning the championship. What that will do is, in my opinion, what would happen would be, you know, Bianca would defeat Charlotte. Bianca would become the Raw Women's Champion. And then you would have Charlotte and Becky going out of that Survivor Series. It would be Raw and SmackDown where Charlotte would eventually defeat Becky because of some interference from Bianca and Sasha for the SmackDown Women's Championship. That's how Charlotte would take the championship to SmackDown. So Becky would lose the championship at Survivor Series. Bianca Belair would hold on to it on Raw. You would have a Becky... Uh, Bianca feud for the Raw Women's Championship. Maybe Becky Lynch takes the Raw Women's Championship. You know, maybe they hot shot the belt to WrestleMania. I think it's interesting to see, you know, what their plans are for WrestleMania this year in the women's division. Because you do have Charlotte, you do have Sasha Banks, you do have Becky Lynch, you do have Bianca Belair, and then you do have Bayley coming back. I think Becky Lynch is going to be in a big match. Um, you know, I think Bianca Belair is going to be in a big match. I think Charlotte's going to be in a big match. I think Sasha Banks is going to be in a big match. I don't really see any room for Rio Ripley this year. I don't really see any room for Asuka, who we haven't seen in a while this year. Unless they injured Asuka on SmackDown and they put her in to, you know, the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship picture. But I think that's even a little bit crowded when you had Bayley back into that roster. Here's the thing. The women have a lot of top-tier talent, right? Between Charlotte, Bianca, Becky, you know, Sasha. I just mentioned those core four. You had Bayley and that's your core five. You, you know, with Asuka, you know, and Rhea, Rhea Ripley, who would be the other two to make seven, there's not a ton of room for them on the card once you put them in a tag team. I think that's why Rhea Ripley and Asuka were in tag teams prior to, you know, obviously Asuka getting injured and now Rhea Ripley's in that tag team with Nikki A.S.H. because they realize their top stars in the company are going to be the four, you know, the three involved in this match as well as Charlotte Flair. I will say if this match stays a triple threat, I do think Becky somehow w retains the championship. She just walks around with the SmackDown championship. And then maybe you do, a, you know, some sort of unification match at Survivor Series. I really don't know how they're going to get the belt off these women and switch them without doing a simple title swap. But it's going to be interesting to see. This is one of those interesting uh, matches. I, You know, it could go either way. Bianca could win, Sasha could win, I'm going to go with Becky Lynch though. Next match, we have Biggie and Drew McIntyre. Now this is a big match with really no build. Biggie's first really big WWE Championship defense. You know, he obviously defended against Bobby Lashley. The September 27th episode of Raw in a steel cage. But Drew McIntyre is a massive star. He's heading over to SmackDown. You know, Drew's not going to win this match. This is going to be an awesome match, though, between Drew McIntyre and Big E. This is a good match because this is a good opportunity for Big E to get his first legitimate WWE Championship win off his belt. You know, he's going to feel good afterwards beating a, a legitimate opponent than McIntyre. And for McIntyre, it gets him right back in that main event scene. So now when he moves over to SmackDown, when he potentially wins the Rumble, when he potentially challenges Roman Reigns, 
down the line for the Universal Championship, he will feel like a big star again because he was stuck. He was literally stuck for a few months on Raw when he couldn't challenge for the WWE Championship anymore when Bobby Lashley was WWE Champion. Now that Big E is champion, Drew McIntyre gets his rematch right away before he goes to SmackDown. It makes sense. It's going to be an awesome match. Drew's going to hit Big E with a claymore. Big E's going to kick out. It's going to be a great pop. I do think Big E hits McIntyre with a big ending, and I think this wakes McIntyre up. He has a big attitude change. His push restarts on SmackDown. It's going to be 2020 all over again. So for this time, it's going to be on SmackDown. It's going to be in front of the WWE Universe. And he could get his moment at WrestleMania 38. Who knows? And finally, we got the Universal Champion. Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman taking on the Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar. And folks, 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 this is Brock Lesnar's first one-on-one match in front of fans in two years in Survivor Series 2019. I think Brock and Roman, listen, we all know their history. And there's no doubt in my mind, this is the closest Roman Reigns has ever been to potentially losing the Universe Championship. There's so many options here. Obviously, the Paul Amon tie is just, I mean, it can go either way. Paul Amon can screw Roman. He can screw Brock. He can screw both of them. They can set up a WrestleMania 38 rematch. Ah, this is so tough to predict. Listen, I'm rooting for Brock Lesnar. I will admit it. I think Brock Lesnar being Universal Champion would be a huge shock. It would make huge, amazing news across the globe as we end in a Thursday Night Football. Do I think it's going to happen? No. Do I think it's only a real possibility? Yes. We've seen Brock and Roman's chemistry. We've seen their matches. All of their matches have been great. They had a steel cage match in this arena one time where Roman speared Lesnar through the cage in 2018. It was at the first Saudi Arabia event, the greatest Royal Rumble. We've obviously seen their WrestleMania encounters. The difference here is Brock is the face, Roman is the heel. You have Roman Reigns as the head of the table. You have Brock Lesnar as a ponytail freaking badass. And folks... This is going to be amazing. These two are going to tear the house down. It's going to be suspenseful because anybody can truly win. And this, you know, to go along with Goldberg and Lashley, to go along with the SmackDown Women's Championship, going along with Edge and Seth Rollins, RK Pro, AJ and Amos, Finn Balor, Xavier Woods. This is truly a WrestleMania-like card. Nine matches on the card, if you include the kickoff show, which I already said the users will defeat the Earth Business. Uh, that is ten matches. This is going to be at least a four-hour show. It's going to be fun. It's going to be amazing. This is definitely the best Saudi Arabia card they have put on yet. And what I would say to you is enjoy the show. And that is it for today's podcast. Now, tomorrow, big announcement here. Tomorrow, we're going to jump right on here. You know, for 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes, however long it takes for me to break down the Crown Jewel pay-per-view. So that's important. I'm going to be doing, you know, a separate podcast tomorrow specifically breaking down this pay-per-view. And then Monday, we will jump in and we will talk NFL football. So don't expect me to give a recap of the Browns and Broncos tomorrow. It's not going to happen. I'll do that on Monday when we do our traditional recap Tomorrow is going to be dedicated specifically to reviewing this pay-per-view, which I suspect, besides WrestleMania and SummerSlam and Money in the Bank, could be the pay-per-view 
of the year. I think we are in for a phenomenal show today. And what a treat we get as wrestling fans. You know, whether you are working remotely, whether, you know, you're in college like me, or, you know, you're just in school, whatever the case may be, you have an opportunity here to watch a great wrestling show today. And that'll do it again. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at BrandonLewis underscore 7. Make sure to follow the show at Real underscore B-Word. And we will see you guys tomorrow. we we'll break down the Crown Jewel pay-per-view. Enjoy the game tonight. And peace!